Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents. Welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Flegg, and with me today is... Frank's BA, Sophia, and I'm in Belgrade. We are both currently in Belgrade. Absolutely. So, as Sophia said, we are broadcasting to you from Belgrade, Serbia, which is where we have been building our team for about a year now. So, Sophia, let's kick off. You are our first hire in um, in Serbia. I'll come back to why we decided to start hiring in Serbia. I know I've mentioned it a few times on the podcast previously, but I thought it would be great to do an in-depth interview with Sophia because she's been with us right from the start. She was our first hire and is now in charge of all of our recruitment in uh, in Serbia. So Sophia, how about we kick off with a bit about your role and then the other one, two, three, four roles that we've uh, hired since and we're now hiring a fifth. So do you want to explain those a little? Yes, of course. So I started as Frank's PA and also as an administrator, just doing general administration, covering uh, everything from organizing podcasts uh, and uh, uploading things to the website to filing and uh, doing recruitment. We started doing aggressive recruitment in April 2021 with hiring first another PA for one of our partners. And then after that, we hired an editor and two bookkeepers in July. What we discovered when recruiting was that there is a lot of people who spoke English fairly well and who were able to uh, do tasks to a very good level. I want to backtrack slightly and explain the, the rationale. So I've spoken previously on the podcast about why I think it's important as sophisticated property investors to leverage ourselves as early as possible in our journey. Now, by leverage, the the definition of leverage is to get more done with less. And so what I mean by that is you will hit a ceiling if you are the only person in your business. If you're the person doing the £10 an hour tasks, the £100 an hour tasks, the £1,000 an hour tasks, then then you'll hit a ceiling because there are only so many hours in a day that you can work. And I've, I've seen property investors trying to work 15, 16, 20 hours a, a day. It's just impossible to sustain. And so if you want to have a quality of life, have a balance, but also have a profitable business that is scalable, then you need to employ help. You need people to, or at least a person initially, to do those £10 an hour tasks and perhaps some of those £100 an hour tasks because there will always be things that you need to do, the £1,000 an hour tasks. And so we've had a team in the UK for quite some time, but if any of you listening are anything to do with employment at the moment and recruitment, the cost of UK labour at the moment is going through the roof, is unbelievably expensive. And so I took on a mentor last year for six months, a gentleman called Andrew Henderson. You can uh, look him up if you like. He 
is the founder of a company called Nomad Capitalist. Quite an interesting organisation. They deal a lot with taking your businesses overseas, outsourcing your work to overseas, as well as um, living as nomads around the around the world and some aspects of what they teach i'm not interested in and some aspects i'm really interested in which is why i employed andrew as a a one-to-one mentor and i explained to him that i wanted to grow and that um, i was considering employing team in different countries and his advice instantly was you need to build a team in Serbia. Now, he's got 20-odd staff in Serbia. I think it's more like 30 now, actually. And um, and so I asked him the question. I said, well, why do you recommend Serbia? There's a lot of places that I've been recommended um, that, and no one's ever recommended Serbia. But before I answer that, Sophia, how about you tell me why you think people working in Serbia are a good fit for um, UK businesses? Okay, well, I think that there is a cultural similarity. So it's a European nation and there is a lot of similarities in culture across Europe, especially in work ethic. So I think that's one of the reasons. Also, people in Serbia start learning English very early in school and most of them have to learn it throughout school and they have to master it in order to finish their studies or just uh, leave Serbia and work for a while. So that's the other reason. And finally, there is a lot of people who specialize in uh, different um, in different trades, let's say, but they also speak perfect English that that are looking to engage with foreign companies in order to grow their chances for leaving Serbia or just uh, experience new things. So I think that Serbia is a great fit because there is a lot of young people who speak English, but also know how to do other things. And they are very good professionals in general. People here like to work and they take a lot of pride in their work. Absolutely. And if I can add a few other reasons to this, and the, these are the ones that Andrew gave me that, that do stand out. There's certainly a cultural fit. For example, I've bought my two young boys over there, eight and ten, and my dad at the moment, actually. So he's in his late 60s. The four of us have got an apartment here in the middle of downtown Belgrade. Um, A, it's really cost effective. And that, for sure, in terms of wages, is a is a biggie because it's such an effective form of leverage. It doesn't cost you loads of money. And I'll, I'll come on to actual numbers in a bit. Um, but from a cultural perspective... I'm meeting with every one of my team while I'm here. I'm here for for three days. And this morning, they've been showing us around the city. And the the fit is so comfortable. They're they're talking about their culture. They're talking about their history. They're explaining stuff to my kids. They're chatting with my my dad. um, They're explaining stuff to me. It's a really comfortable fit. And I I think that's easy to underestimate. As you you know, regular listeners, I've I've traveled quite a lot in the last um, 12 months or so. And and some of those cultures wouldn't fit nearly as well as as Serbia. Now, I knew nothing about Serbia. Um, I had to look up where it was on the map. I don't know if I told you that, Sophia. But but from a cultural perspective, from a work ethic perspective, uh, from a financial perspective, and from a time difference perspective. So Serbia is one hour ahead of the UK. Their clocks change at the same time as ours. So they're always one hour ahead. 
that again makes it really easy to to have a team and to communicate it'd be far harder if I had a team in say the Philippines or the United States simply because the time difference would be so so great you wouldn't be able to talk to those people for nearly as many hours in in the day I just have to remember that Sophia works eight till four rather than <laughs> nine till five but that's quite an easy one hour time difference to to bridge so coming back to to finances for for a moment typically exactly the same quality of person can be employed in Serbia for around a third to a half of what you would pay in the UK and that is a massive saving for any entrepreneur any property investor who's wanting people to do those £10 an hour tasks for you because you're actually paying less than £10 an hour for them to be done which I know that sounds simple simplistic but it is actually the case you can you can get a lot done without spending tons and tons of money we've actually set up an employment agency now so our company in Serbia it's essential that you actually have a Serbian incorporated company if you employ someone as a um, self-employed contractor in Serbia there's a 48% surcharge so a tax that's applied to them so you end up paying 150% of what their salary actually is which doesn't make any sense so we've incorporated a company in Serbia that now employs um, staff for other businesses in the UK and that um, just makes that possible for for them easily so I use it for my clients to take on their first support roles within their property businesses etc um, I have a martial arts franchise that I run with a business partner um, we're using Serbian team we're recruiting our, our Serbian team now to um, in support roles and indeed sales roles Sophia mentioned that the English spoken in Serbia is really of a really high standard. You can hear her fluency in English. Um, yes, there's a bit of an accent, but most of the people we've employed have actually worked in either the UK or the US or Canada for a year, a couple of years. How long have you lived and worked in um, Canada for, Sophia? Five years. Five years. And so it's really common. Yelena, who um, is head of our bookkeeping team, she actually has worked in Milton Keynes in the UK of all places, has a boyfriend there. Um, he flies over to Serbia. She flies over to the UK. So I have actually met with her. This is the first time I've ever met Sophia. So today is the first time we've ever met, which is hilarious. I was, I was saying to my dad, <laughs> she knows all my credit card numbers. She <laughs> has access to all my emails. She uh, she runs my diary for me. Um, and and yet I'd never never met her, which I think speaks volumes for the, um, the trust as well that... that we place in our in our Serbian team so for me I think it's essential in order to grow to have people in your business who can do stuff for you Sophia from um, what you know of the EPP franchise and what you do for me what kind of £10 an hour tasks do you do for me and um, do you think one-man band entrepreneurs and property investors would benefit from just to give people a bit of a flavor because I can imagine and I've had this criticism leveled at me uh, previously um, people assume that because you're what was it a three-hour flight two and a half hour flight away you can't actually be a very effective PA and you started out as a PA and have now risen in, into leadership roles um, within the organization but from a PA perspective 
how could you help or how could a Serbian PA help a one-man band property investor? Well, there is multiple things. What pops to mind first is definitely communicating with letting agents uh, because uh, that's something that I started with and I still do it. And it still takes a lot of my time because Frank has a lot of properties. So just keeping an eye on the letting agents, keeping an eye on on all the certifications that are necessary to rent a property and things like that are definitely not very hard tasks to do. And they can be done from Serbia with email. You don't even have to have a phone to do that type of tasks. Also, just scheduling meetings is not a very hard thing to do and you can do it from anywhere else. Sophia just reels these things off as if they're they're small. But if you think about your compliance for your portfolio now, and okay, if you've got three properties, it's not going to be the same as if you've got 30 or 50. But you need to be tracking your ASTs. When did they um, come to an end? You need to be checking the, the payments, your rental payments. Now, it's very easy to give someone access to your bank account now because you, and you might think, oh, I'm not gonna allow someone. If you imagine how much rent get paid, gets paid into my bank account every month, that's a, a, a lot of money to give someone in another country access to. I think there's a lot of preconceived fear here, but I, I get that you might not want anyone to have access. But with modern technology, you can give someone access to your bookkeeping software that syncs with your bank account, which means they can see every single transaction as it comes in, every single transaction as it goes out to pay for maintenance, to pay for um, mortgages, etc., without them actually having any control over your bank account. Another technique is to create um, additional users on your bank account but to limit their payment authorization to one pound. And I actually use that on my main trading account in the UK. So my main company, my bookkeepers in Serbia have complete access so they can um, see every transaction. They can actually log into my bank account. However, they can not authorize a payment above one pound but they can set up loads of payments so they can have all the invoices come in we get all of our invoices emailed rather than posted and that way they get sent to an invoice email account so we give out that email account to all of our suppliers they collect the invoices they can deal with any queries from suppliers they can set up the payments in the bank account now if you think of how much maintenance we get done on our portfolio and the number of payments there are for that. That's massive, but the bookkeepers can do everything other than press the green button. So they can set up all the payments for the last day of the month. Myself or my wife can go in, we can check all those off. Has that been done? Has that been done? Has that been done? Now, the other thing that Sophia does is she checks that the maintenance has been done. So rather than for me have to deal with authorizing the works from the letting agent or dealing with the tenant to do the works and then dealing with the plumber or the electrician or the handyman Sophia can do all of that she can arrange access she can give key codes to to pick up the keys she can arrange for the keys to be picked up from letting agents she can check with the tenants afterwards or the letting agents that the works have been done depends how you arrange your works with your letting agents but sometimes especially if it's an expensive job, you want to directly manage the the works. And then she can authorize the bookkeepers to pay the invoice because the works have been done. And so in those two little tasks, 
that Sophia have mentioned. So managing the properties and booking appointments. Now we haven't talked about personal appointments, but of course it could be help visits, it could be um, viewings with auctioneers, it could be meetings with investors. And remember, there's a certain amount of kudos to say, oh, my PA will book that in with you, my PA, Sophia, will be in touch. It shows that you're a business rather than a self-employed person. And some of you listening might think, oh yeah, that's a bit um, egotistical, you know, what difference does it make? But it does make a difference. Some of you might have seen my most recent YouTube episode, I was in Tenerife last week. Um, That means I'm not contactable, but my business is. Sophia was still reading my emails, she was still responding to people, she was still dealing with inquiries, etc. So it's It's an important benefit to your business that you are still contactable. You're able to give help when you personally aren't available. So just in those first two uh, examples, that's a massive amount of time saving that you can make as an entrepreneur. And when you think of those thousand pound, and I'll come back to you in a moment, Sophia, for some more, but that frees you up to do more thousand pound an hour tasks, which are your telephone fact finds. You're not going to have your overseas PA do your telephone fact phones because that's a highly skilled, highly personal sales call that takes tons and tons of learning. That's a thousand pound an hour task. Doing your help visits, well, for starters, they're in person, but those are going to be done by you. But if you can get the easier stuff, the more routine, the more systemized stuff done by someone else, it frees you up to do more. It frees you up to be more creative, to do more planning, to be more strategic, to do more sales, to do more deals, to buy more properties, which is massive. That's where the real money is. And that will dwarf the £1,000 a month, £1,500 a month that you'll pay for a really high quality PA. And that's all in. That's everything. Everything you need to pay taxes, salary, um, our employment agency fee, all of that within a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds a month, dependent on the quality of of the person. And so all of that, how many deals would you have to do in a year to cover a thousand pound a month? One. (laughs) And you're laughing. But how many deals could you do if you've got someone full time working on your business and your personal life, of course, because time is time. So if you've got a PA who's also booking your kids school trips, paying for your kids school trips, um, ordering school uniform booking trips to the dentist, sorting out your doctor's appointments, sorting out the insurances on your car. I'm I'm answering all your questions for you, um, Sophia. But if if someone's doing all that kind of stuff for you, how much more time are you going to have to work on your business and to work in your business making the big bucks? So what else sprung to mind, Sophia? Also updating the website and uploading things to the app. They do require learning a little bit of software, but it's a very easy to learn and it's very intuitive. I can't pronounce that word. Intuitive. Intuitive. I can't pronounce that word. <laughs> but you can spell it, it's cool. Uh, yes, it's, uh, it's, uh, those are really easy softwares to learn and then you can just um, help your employer so he doesn't have to do that. Also, I'm not sure that Frank, can you use, 
Can you use ClickFunnels? Can I use it? Yeah. Probably not as well as you now. Yeah, so <laughs> I've learned how to use uh, ClickFunnels is uh, the website we use to keep our website going. So I've learned how to update things and how to change them. And now it takes me about 10 minutes mm. to do something that earlier took two to three hours. But uh, learning how to do that made me very effective. And also it keeps everyone else who would need more time to do it away from it. So I think that's a very good example of a task that could be done by a PA. Mm. So Sophia runs the entire um, YouTube channel for us. So that involves scheduling the uh, episodes, um, taking the recordings and sending them to our editing team in the United States, um, checking their editing uh, proofreading their captions etc she's put head in her hands because <laughs> there's quite a lot of work and then actually uploading those to YouTube and um, and reporting back on the stats so that's do you want to say Can something, I say something yeah. about the editors so yes my grammar my English grammar is definitely better than their grammar because they can tell a difference between there and there <laughs> that's so funny and so Sophia runs the whole YouTube channel the only thing I do is shoot videos she does everything else on that um, and also the podcast so yes you you hear me and you hear me interviewing others etc but actually all that happens now when those podcast episodes are recorded they are recorded onto a, a piece of software and that's the thing software leverage is the same as team leverage um, You've got money leverage, you've got, um, I keep saying leverage, I've spent too much time speaking with the uh, Americans, but you've got team leverage, you've got money leverage, and you've got um, software leverage. Those are the three main um, ways of leveraging yourself and your business. And so if you think about those, they actually all interconnect. Um, the one we haven't covered in this episode is is the financial leverage. Although you are spending money in order to get stuff done, but uh, in property, there's a lot of financial leverage, and I will come on to that in another episode. But if you think about team and software, they go hand in hand. So we have a piece of software, it's called Zencaster. For those of you interested in running a podcast, the recordings that we make, so when you hear me interview people remotely, those recordings go up into the cloud onto that software and the editors can download it directly. Sophia then liaises with the editors about um, when those episodes will be published, etc., and, uh, uh, and uploads them to the website. So there are loads and loads of things that, that your Serbian team can, can do for you. Um, let me add a few more. You've got property valuations. So Sophia now is completely trained in how to value properties from a um, purchasing perspective and from a rental perspective so she can do rental valuations my team monitor rents for me so they will tell me when they think properties are under rented isn't that amazing that they can tell from Serbia um, when they think my properties are rented for too little compared to the market better than my letting agents and if you think about what we pay our letting agents it's 8% of rent is what we pay um, for the majority of our properties. Couple, if we've got one or two of an agent, we might be paying 10%. Um, but at 8% or 10% of rent, that's sometimes 60, 70, 80, 90, even 100 pounds a month in commission at, at 8 or 10% that we're paying to our letting agents. Well, that really adds up quickly. I, I pay thousands of pounds a month in, in lettings commission, but I can just pay an extra 
thousand, fifteen hundred pounds a month, and have someone full time focusing on my portfolio, and they earn their money over and over again by being on it. So spending time checking things that I wouldn't otherwise be checking. And I've had so many, um, I could I could list so many examples of having someone who wakes up thinking about you and your business, um, spends all day on it, and then goes to bed thinking about you and your business and how to add value really, really makes a difference. The number of things that get caught in our business that would have slipped by, that either are missed opportunities for making more money or are expenses that would have been wasted would have been overlooked is massive where else do you think our team adds value Sophia well Yellen and Jovana the accountants really add a lot of value because we spend a lot of time talking about things that they're looking for and they really do add a lot of value I think that there is a lot of value added in just uh, trying to make sure that everything runs smoothly so uh, both me and the accountants try to make sure that everything that needs to be paid in time is paid in time, that neither we are late with our payments, nor that, uh, nor that other people are late with their payments, which uh, just keeps the money flow steady and better organized. And there is a lot of value added in, like Frank said, having someone constantly available for the business and uh, having someone take responsibility when people are looking someone to contact. So what I often do is that I will step in when someone is looking for Frank, but even if, if Frank is not available, I will step in and let them know by what time we will have to, uh, we will sort it out. So they don't have to worry or think about it and I will keep in touch with them until we sort everything out. So I think that adds a lot of value because it puts people at ease when doing business with us. It uh, lets them know that there is someone who will think about them and that they are an important part of Frank's business. Of course, all of these expenses, and by the way, I love that our team sit down and have meetings about how to make us more profitable without me even being in them. So Sophia will sit down with Yovana and Yelena, who are our bookkeepers, and go through different areas of the business saying, right, what softwares can we cancel? What software subscriptions can we cancel this um, month? You know, what do we no longer use? What can we find alternative softwares for that we don't need to, that, that are cheaper or better for us? I love that that happens without my involvement. I also love that I can sit down once a week with my team and set tons and tons of activities so um, at the moment one of Sophia's tasks is to research property in Serbia I want to diversify my portfolio I've been speaking about that for a couple of years now I think that the UK market is fantastic um, over the long term it goes up but boy, is it overinflated at the moment. And so I don't want all of my eggs in one basket. That's why I spent time in Costa Rica and Mexico last year, because I'm looking for markets within which to invest that will counteract and diversify the risk, mitigate against the risk of the UK market dropping or becoming less favorable from a compliance perspective. I think both of those are perfectly possible. I can't say that they're definitely gonna happen, and if profitability of my UK portfolio just goes up and up and up, which is perfectly possible, and 
if compliance remains at a manageable level, which it is currently, it's, it's quite burdensome at the moment. We're buying properties from a lot of investors who are just fed up of having to spend so much of their week ticking boxes. If you think about what you now need to do, you always needed a gas safety certificate and it was sensible to have a written tenancy agreement, but that was it. Basically, these days you need the whole checklist of moving someone in. So you need an electrical certificate. You need to check that you've got planning permission. If it's a HMO, for example, you're not in an Article 4 area. You need to make sure you've got your gas safety certificate. You need your um, renting guide that you've provided to them. You need an energy performance certificate. There's so many different things. If if it's a compulsory licensed area then you need your license application for it to be a a property uh, a rented property you of course if you're in wales now need to um, comply with their additional legislation and it's only getting more complicated and more burdensome which if you're doing things the way you've always done them more and more of your time is going to get sucked up by these extra little things that keep getting added on um i've got one local authority that every time so they have it on their calendar when my gas safety expires every time it expires they write to me and ask for all the gas safety certificates on my entire portfolio within that local authority and i have to email them to them well of course i don't do it it all goes through sophia but that's really burdensome that really takes time and if you're not leveraging yourself you're going to have to stop doing as many thousand pound an hour tasks and spend more time that's not even 10 pound an hour tasks that's minus 10 pound an hour tasks because there's no value in that you just have to do it in order not to (laughs) actually i think it's criminal not to send them the gas safety certificate and so it's changing with the times so part of that changing is having the leverage and having really economical labor available to help you and to get things done so that you can keep working on the high value tasks but the other side of it is then diversifying your portfolio and and for me that is outside of the uk i'm still buying in the uk we're hopefully completing on a property uh what they were on on monday it should complete uh, on wednesday this week and that's a five bed hmo in a different part of the country so we're we're continually buying and building our portfolio in in the uk but also having properties overseas and so sophia is now she's lined up um properties for us to see whilst i'm here in in belgrade which is fantastic because i'm not having to research them of course if i researched them i'd be looking at the english-speaking websites which uh the if you know the the south american lingo they, they call them the gringo websites you know they're the ones that are designed for the overseas investors which are obviously going to be the most expensive properties with the big margins and the the poor values and the poor yields sophia being serbian she can find the properties that are on the local market she can speak to the um, estate agents in serbian and explain what we're looking for as a company what we are interested in what we're not interested in etc and so we're going to be investing at levels that are far better than if i just came in on my own now that kind of value is so important so helpful um just in coming out here so as i mentioned i came out here with my two sons Sophia did everything for me. She uh, found the flights, 
booked the flights. She um, sorted out the all of the um, boxes that we had to take, you know, passenger locator forms. Um, she sorted out the dates of my vaccinations to make sure that I had the right vaccines and the right certificates. Um, she arranged pickup from the airport. She booked the Airbnb. We've got like a, a four bedroom apartment here in the, the, the centre of Belgrade um, so that myself and my boys and my dad can all, all stay together. Sophia sorted that out. It's all stuff that has to be done. And it's only when you're no longer doing it that you realise how much capacity that has freed up. Um, I was speaking to someone recently. They're um, a senior partner in a law firm, um, quite a large law firm, like 250-odd staff. And they have a PA, but they only have a work PA. And I was chatting to them and I said, oh, I'm just going to drop Sophia a quick uh, voice note because otherwise I'll forget. And Sophia's laughing because she gets so many voice notes on, <laughs> from me on WhatsApp. But it's my way of just going, oh, Sophia, you know, on, on Monday, can you pick this up, please? Oh, Sophia, just thought of this. Can you put this on the agenda to speak to the, the team about next week? Oh, can you just get in touch with this person? It's all that stuff. I have a rule. And I think this is a really indicative um example of how my attitude to getting things done has changed i have always read loads i talk about it loads on the podcast whenever i used to and i'm going back a few years now probably six plus years ago whenever i used to get a book recommendation from someone i would write down the name of the book and the author in my day book And then I thought, actually, what I'll do is I'll put it into Evernote because then I've got it on my phone. And every now and again, I'd sit down and think, oh, I want to buy a book. I'm running low. What shall I buy? And I'd flick back through my day book. I'd have a look on Evernote. Then I made a rule that I would never write down the name of a book. If it was important enough to me, I'd go straight onto Amazon and buy the book. And it's brilliant because I never have to, you don't have to read the book the day it comes. It can sit on your bookshelf for three, four, five months. And of course, if it's on your bookshelf, you're more likely to read it. I do make sure I read them though if I buy them. Um, But that one rule of never writing down the name of a book meant that I didn't have this, this like weight in my mind of, oh, I must by those books that I've written down. And if you have too many things like that, you can, I bet most of us have hundreds of things like that that just drag us down. And so when you sit down, you think, oh, what, you you know, you have a free hour. Rather than go, what creative profit generating activities can I do now? Instead of that, you think, right, what have I got my to-do list? We're more reactionary. And having someone who you can offload to, who you can just drop WhatsApp messages to or teams voice notes to or however you want to communicate with your 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 PA and don't get me wrong it can be a a UK PA some of my clients have got UK PAs I did have one for eight years actually um before swapping across to to Serbia more recently but whoever it is and wherever they are being able to just offload those £10 an hour tasks, all those things that you don't want to have to remember. Um, like I, I speak to investors, for example, and they, you know, I might say, are you happy with your investment? Yeah, I'm fine with it, Frank. Um, okay, I'll touch base with you in six months just to see if you want to add to your investment, if you want me to pe- repay back some of your investment funds, etc. Um, I'll, uh, I'll give you a balance in six months. That's a 
10-second voice note to Sophia to say, Sophia, I've just spoken to Fred Bloggs. He's happy with his current investment. Can you put it in my diary to have a chat with him in six months? Or can you remind me in six months to, to give him a call and uh, touch base with him? And it's gone. I think I've forgotten about it. I can move on to the next thing then. So I think that level of freeing up your brain, getting rid of that busyness so that you can properly be in the moment so you can properly work on the high value tasks too many people in my opinion are on the hamster wheel and they're so busy on the hamster wheel they don't make any proper money i'm I'm going to go to sophia and then i'm going to explain what we're doing in the martial arts business because what we're using serbian team for there i think is a really example a really good example of taking away that hamster wheel mentality what what else sophia um do you do that you think would help a lot of entrepreneurs uh, I think that definitely I was just thinking about uh, easy tasks that anyone can do but take a lot of time and it's definitely going through Frank's emails because it takes me a lot of time to go to Frank's emails but that's my task so I do it and then I can just flag the emails for Frank that need answering I can deal with some of them on my own but Frank, it would take Frank at least an hour or two to go through his a day to go through all of his emails and sort them out and figure out what needs to be done and when it needs to be scheduled and things like that and I just hand uh, and I just handle them as they come in and I check them in the morning so they're constantly covered and Frank doesn't really have to check his email because I'm there to tell him when something important comes and I can also send him documents he needs to sign and things like that that don't go over to the email so he basically now almost never checks his email. I was just I was just thinking about how often I check my email and I used to pride myself on responding to everyone and nothing slipping through the net but that used to be an hour to Sophia said an hour to two hours and it really used to be an hour to two hours of my time most days so if I was on a slack day I could do it during the day, but more often than not, I'd do a an eight till seven day, and then I'd sit down of an evening with with a, a cup of tea or a glass of wine and go through all my emails and you know get up to date and think, oh great, I'm done, and it's half past nine, ten o'clock, you know, and um, that's not in balance. I probably go into my emails now. I'd say on average two times a month, maybe three times a month. But that's only when Sophia says, Frank, there's this email here. Um, I, I don't know how to respond to it. Um, what do you think? And I'll say, oh, just say this. Or I'll say, oh, I need to respond to that. Uh, flag it for me and I'll, I'll pop in and uh, and do that later on in the week. And I'll schedule it normally. I'll schedule a half an hour, an hour slot. I'll go into my emails and I'll respond to maybe that one. There might be one or two other flagged emails so that, that Sophia's actually highlighted for me to deal with. And that's it. So I'm never... And I think, again, it's a habit, isn't it? It's, it's like buying the books. It's like... Um, never writing down a to-do to tell Sophia something. I just put it into a WhatsApp and then it's gone, you know. Um, um, it's about that efficiency. So I never go into my emails because I've got a spare five minutes. If I've got a spare five minutes, I either want to be 100% relaxing or I want to be working 100% productively, which is profit generating. Sophia can't phone my prospective clients and build rapport with them that's not her role that's my role that's a thousand pound an hour task speaking to potential jv partners touching base with um 
potential vendors who I haven't gotten over the line, speaking to potential finance investors. Those are £1,000 an hour tasks that I would rather be doing. Now, the amount of time I now have in a day, if you just think to yourself for a second, how many hours a, a week, how many hours a week do you spend in your inbox, on your email account? It's a scary amount. And if you've put in less than 10 hours a week, I think it's probably more. And if if you're adamant that it's less, do a time report for a week. So use Clockify for a week. It's free. And every task you do for a whole week, just clock it on Clockify. Um, And you'll probably find, I find that most of my clients do between 10 and 15 hours a week on emails alone. If you're only working a 40-hour week, that's between 25 and 30% of your week. That's crazy amount. That is so much of your working week. Largely reactionary. And I say it's largely reactionary and largely £10 an hour because Sophia's doing it. And so there are exceptions, but I go into my inbox on a proactive basis now when I want to write a response to someone. And so that's a real, and so Sophia's saying, oh, I just manage Frank's emails. What she means is I don't have to read a single email unless I choose to, and nothing gets missed. So I didn't come back from holiday and have a whole, um, you know, few hundred or, I've come back from holiday before now and had a thousand emails to read through. That's like a day's work easily, (laughs) maybe two days work. But I didn't have that when I got back from Tenerife um, on Saturday. It was, it's been done and Sophia's on top of it. Anything else, Sophia? When we started the Investor Club and when I took over uh, Investor Club Lettings, uh, it actually turned out to be very time-consuming to manage those certifications. Unlike the certifications for Frank's properties, these ones were not arranged. We didn't have a lighting agent in Great Britain, and we had issues with doing those. I think that's a good example. So when you have leverage, you have the resource to try new things so we set up an, a new arm of the business last year which was the investor club which connects investors to properties on a mass scale so we've always done turning discounts into cash flow where we've built relationships with on a one-to-one basis with investors and then we've sourced vendors on a one-to-one basis and we've put them together and 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 done the turning discounts into cash flow transactions we I've, I've done those for the last um 10 getting on for 15 years now but what we trialed over the last 18 months or so was doing that without those relationships so um investors would just be referred to us or would would come to us organically and vendors um we would partner with people who'd found vendors and and basically be the middleman and we we decided to run that and we ran it for 12 months or so as a trial the the only way that I was able to do that without it completely swamping me because it's a very time intensive business and people expect really good customer service because they're they're buying expensive properties the only way we could do that was if the team ran it and so Sophia and some of the other guys in the team did a fantastic job of that and so it was only possible to run that trial for 12 months because I had a team that that I could leverage to 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 run it for me and as it happened it was a uh, an experiment that didn't work however there have been many experiments that have worked really well so for example we 
looked at how we could build a team in Serbia and we've gone down the route of getting accountants and lawyers and incorporating in Serbia. I'm, I'm here at the moment because there was some business I had to do in person in, in Belgrade. So we then looked at that and thought, well, how could we leverage what we've all that hard work that we've already done rather than just have team for ourselves? And that's where, how the employment agency was was born. Um, and now, of course, we're not only we've not only got team for our own business we've got team for our partners we've got team for our country owners our epp country owners we supply team to them and we're also now supplying team to the martial arts business which is what i mentioned earlier now the role of that person what we looked at there is our martial arts teachers it's a franchise so our martial arts um teachers are all black belts in their respective martial arts and through our system it's called g4 so through the g4 system they use our marketing they use our sales they teach our syllabus um if you're if you're thinking i'm some martial arts expert i'm not at all <laughs> i'm um, um partnered with a guy called gordon bircham who's three three time world kickboxing champion he's been in martial arts for 20 years got an amazing martial arts schools one of the largest in the country so um they then use our syllabus to teach the lessons now we have been running that for a few months and one of the bits of feedback that came back from those martial arts school owners was that they didn't want to do loads of the sales so they're happy putting the adverts on facebook and on um paper click etc but it was all the messages then that were coming in so people would direct message them people would email them people would whatsapp them um, and then they had to call them and and explain where the, the the meeting was and build some rapport and then they'd have to check that they were turning up they'd call them afterwards to see how the lesson was and actually what those martial arts school owners want to do is just teach martial arts and so we looked at it and decided that actually a high caliber really fluent english-speaking serbian person would be brilliant at that for 40 hours a week they can be liaising with all these prospective students for these martial arts schools and when we put that to the franchisees the the martial arts school teachers they love the idea and so we're now recruiting full-time serbian salespeople for that business and that's an example of a test i couldn't have incorporated in a foreign country and found lawyers and found accountants etc without that team supporting me and helping me but now that we've got that We've now had the opportunity to build the recruitment agency, which is, you know, servicing loads of other businesses and entrepreneurs. And and I, I see that actually growing massively as the cost of employment goes up and up and up in the, in the, in the UK. And as entrepreneurs realize how valuable it is to leverage them themselves. So I want to finish with one image and then I'll come to you for any closing thoughts, Sophia. Um, when thinking about what could my first recruit do and I, I do believe in property sophisticated property investing it should be a PA I think a PA personal assistant role is the best one to start with because it just gives you the biggest bang for your buck but when thinking about that I think it's really important to draw the following matrix so along the bottom you've got enjoyment so far left 
you've got I don't enjoy this and far right I really enjoy doing this and then on the vertical axes you've got really easy at the bottom and really hard at the top so in the bottom you've got four squares right so in the bottom left square you've got I don't enjoy doing this and it's really easy now that's the perfect quadrant that's the perfect set of tasks to give to your PA so what you want to do then is you want to list everything you do in your business in terms of how you feel about it so is it really easy um, and you enjoy it loads if you enjoy it loads and it's easy you probably don't want to outsource it because you enjoy it if you enjoy it loads and it's really hard so for example sitting down in someone's front room and negotiating fifty thousand pounds off the purchase price of their property that's really hard and if you enjoy it then obviously you're going to hang on to that task but then you might have tasks that are quite hard to do that you really don't enjoy well that's also the tasks that you might look to outsource to someone so for example editing videos I really didn't enjoy I didn't like proofreading them you know once I've made a video for the YouTube channel and in fact the podcast once I make a recording Pete listens to our fantastic editor from um, Carrot Crunchers in Derbyshire Leicestershire Derbyshire border I think <laughs> sorry Pete don't know exactly where you are but Carrot Crunchers so Pete's a fantastically competent at editing podcasts I don't want to have to re-listen to my podcast I record them once and he makes them sound brilliant I initially did listen to loads because I wanted to check that they were uh, representative of how I wanted them to be but perhaps shouldn't say this Pete but I don't listen to them anymore I trust you completely and the same with the YouTube episodes I've employed someone in Sophia who is good enough to make sure that that quality is representative of, of what I want to go out and so using that quadrant of how easy something is along one axis and how much you enjoy it on the other axis I think is is really really helpful when deciding what your first employee can uh, can do for you Sophia before we wrap up any closing thoughts on being um, a a team member in Serbia and, and one direct question actually I've 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 been um, I think accused is probably the right word previously of taking advantage because if in the UK a role would cost £2,400 a month but I get that role done in Serbia for £1,100 a month, um, that that's somehow exploitative, that that's somehow not fair. Um, what would you say to someone, I feel completely comfortable with it, but what would you say to someone um, that was um, saying that we were exploiting people in Serbia? Uh, well, I think that first people need to think about more broadly about the economy and the fact that not the cost of living is not the same everywhere. So being paid less in Serbia and living better quality of life than I would live in the UK doing the same role is definitely a better option for myself. If I can live in Serbia being paid what Frank pays me and he profits from it because he doesn't have to pay me UK salary and I have the same lifestyle that I had when my dad was paying my bills then I really don't think why anyone else should accuse Frank of actually exploiting people because he's not I don't have any issues with being paid uh, better than average Serbian salary and I think 
the case in point there, guys, is we're renting this beautiful apartment. That's where we're um, uh, recording from now. Um, four bedrooms, centre of Belgrade. You can walk to everything from here. Like the British Embassy is just around the corner. I think it's sixty-seven pounds a night, Sophia, something like that. Um, if you think of you know the equivalent in London, a four-bedroom apartment um, in Knightsbridge, for example. Good luck getting that for under. £670 a night. It's just that the cost of living is so much lower here. It really, really is. In fact, I have rented a, a big apartment in Knightsbridge and it was a lot of money a night. Uh, we had an EPP trip to uh, to London for a few nights for a, um, a self-development course a few years ago. And I remember about 10 of us rented a, a big apartment in Knightsbridge and it, it was extortionate. And so that that gives you a really good comparison that we're providing we're we're contributing to the serbian economy our serbian company pays tax for example um but we're supporting sophia and yelena and yovana and, and all the other guys that we've mentioned today we're supporting their um quality of lives and their, their cost of living i just want to address one of the issues that people have and it's a people being afraid that people that the employees are not going to be able to do the tasks. I think that as long as you do the training properly, people uh, and especially younger employees can take on any tasks and learn anything that you need them to do. It just they might take a little bit of training and learning. I learned a lot about property in the UK, which I never knew about. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a good point, Sophia. I think it does take additional... Um, some additional time to train because you do have the cultural differences you know someone in serbia is not going to know what right move is good luck you know you're very unlikely to find someone in the uk who hasn't heard of right move but you know once you've shown them the login details and how to press these buttons the rest is is pretty straightforward i think one of the massive benefits though of the training is you don't have to meet your employees i've you know met sophia today for the first time in, and she's been working for me what 14 months sophia something yeah. like that um and and we talk you know on a daily basis if not more regularly um the beauty of training someone when you can't meet with them is you're probably going to do it on zoom or or a similar platform you can record it all and the great thing about all that training and all that um systemization that you build in is that if you then grow the company and want to bring other people in board, on board or if that person then uh, decides to move on and you need to replace them, you've got all that training ready. Someone else can just come in and watch all the videos. You don't have to train them again. So the leverage there is really, really powerful. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a bit of a, um, a niche episode, but I do think everyone should be considering bringing on team, whether it's um, a mum who drops kids off at school and then comes to your offices or your front room and works for a couple of hours before she picks the kids up once or twice a week, which I've done. I've had that. I've had people um, in in Belper, Derbyshire, that have come and worked for a few hours a day, or whether it's a full-time virtual PA overseas. Um, then I hope you've got value from this episode because I think we should all be looking to maximise our success, looking to maximise our results, and you can only do that if you have people helping you, you know, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, none of those people would have um, achieved a fraction of what they've achieved if they didn't have massive teams of people supporting them. And that's that's how you multiply your efforts. That's how you multiply your results. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Until next time. 
happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.